with Eric Bischoff, where he, and I quote, he said that you were the biggest financial flub in wrestling. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I can tell there's only one person that can attest to that. I don't know what other people, I can only attest what's happened here in public record and some of these things are a matter of public record because things of freedom of information and stuff so we do you know have over the years a good amount of financial data in pro wrestling i can tell you like no one wrestler has ever come in and made a bigger plus delta financial difference in the history of my company going into this is the third year anniversary this week going into year four no one person has ever made a more positive impact we just did a record pay-per-view buy every pay-per-view he's done a four pay-per-view cycle now every one of them was the record this and uh whether it was all out where he was a huge part of the draw with Darby and his debut, of course, is a huge thing from the first dance, the biggest rampage draw in the history of that show. Uh, the matches, he carried the Friday Night War, which, by the way, is a matter of record in fucking court in the state of California that we won the Friday Night War. Just ask Jerry McDivitt because he fucking wrote it. And this guy won it versus Matt Seidel, who's a great wrestler. He had another goddamn great match on Friday night. This fucking guy, he fucking did the Friday Night War. He did the first dance. He's done the record double or nothing. He did the record all out in his debut. He, did a, he was a big part of a record full gear, a great match with Eddie Kingston and fucking... Bunch of, he wrestled a bunch of young guys, a bunch of veterans in between there. The Will Hobbs, Daniel Garcia, goddammit. And then he showed up, uh, did the biggest program in terms of everything, TV, box, ever with MJF. And then he did the goddamn main event here. He's the biggest part of financial success in Let's the history of this company. Go. Let's fucking go! Have you ever had a dreams that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything? It is especially bad news for Johnny Elite. Great ovation for Miro. It's okay. Here's the bad news. The bad news is. I'm injured and I need surgery. A couple of things are broken. The biggest one is my heart. Because I love nothing more than performing for all of you and I wanted to go on one hell of a run. That's the bad news. The good news is I can still do all that. I told you I was gonna go until the wheels fall off. Well, the wheels are still there. They haven't fallen off. It's just that one of them happens to be broken. But I've come back from worse. I've felt better than I feel today, but I am here to tell you that I've also felt a hell of a lot worse. This is a bump in the road. It hurts. It hurts like hell. I wanna wrestle for you. I wanna wrestle right now. And that being said, let's talk about this title. Let's talk about being AEW World Champion. I told Tony before I came out here that I don't want to hold this place up. There is a long laundry list of talent in the back that can fill my shoes. They can be champion. I'm talking Brian Danielson. I'm talking John Moxley. I'm not here to stand in anybody's way. I told Tony I would relinquish this title, but Tony told me that he believes in CM Punk. 
and he believes this is just a bump in a road, and I'm gonna tell you, God damn it, I needed to hear that. Don't tell me down, you piece of shit! Shut your mouth! Look at me, Tony! Look at me! I want you to fire me! You fucking Mark! Fire me! Fire me! Good shit. Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay. It's my name is Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> You're so high, you don't even know it. Oh, I'm a boy. You ready for a scotch ad? We don't know anything <laughs> about him. The only thing he's got in his wallet is a bunch of names of whorehouses. <laughs> That's flair! <laughs> <laughs> Probably look like Jim Duggan shaking the tape out of his crotch. Benoit, enjoy my wife. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh my god, mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick! <laughs> I'd cease and desist me. I'd cease and desist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games! Let a war! War games! Our impressions. I have, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark, Bark like a dog. dog. <laughs> oh, 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 jinx. Holy shit. How did that actually happen? Here we go. Go. Fucking marks! I'm sorry. I'm a little, little still jacked up from a couple of things. MJF's promo, and man, we are just 20 to 30 minutes removed from our season six fantasy draft, and woo! Fire me! I'm already fired. Woo! God, I'm already fucking jacked up. ODM, hey, how are you? Uh, I'm just gonna send you a link to a promo someone else did, and that can be my intro. Oh, oh, that was dope. Oh, 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 God, that is sick. All right, I'll, I'll break down the story, How, why that is tremendous. Oh, that's perfect. That just works out. How to cut a promo, especially for what we decided to pivot and do this week. Um, first, we were going to be talking submission specialists, but MJF obviously cuts his pretty big promo on, on Dynamite. And it's now being compared to some of the greatest shoots. And I'm going to call them work shoots, all right? Because every one of these, you know, that we will end up talking about today, everything is a work shoot. Even the pipe bomb is a work shoot. You didn't go out there. Anybody's mic can very easily get cut. People are like, well, I can't believe Tony let it go so long. You fucking marks. Anyway, what I'm trying to get to is today, our top topic has now changed to the top 25 worked shoots in pro wrestling history and what ODM was alluding to we told you last week we were going to be cutting our own promo we put a video together and I don't know I think it was pretty goddamn good I say I I say you just splice the audio in right here so everybody can hear it here we go
Welcome back, IFW World. Season 6 is upon us. When I joined this, I was told, trash talking, promos, let's get it going. Halfway through this season, your commissioner said we should do a, a real or a reality type series thing for this. And come on, I mean, for a man that can't talk trash, can't cut a promo, unless he's, well, laying down. Mm, mid card. You uh you eat food. <laughs> yeah, I uh I'm gonna win because I'm the commissioner, damn it. Oh, oh here's my dog. Oh this time I didn't even need peanut butter. <laughs> well let's be honest. He's good at laying down. when we met you you knew you were meeting the unholy two. You were meeting ODM. You are meeting the mid-card mafia. We're the top of wrestling, baby. It's not just a, a name. It's what we are. We are a stable, if you will. Most stable goddamn thing in this entire fantasy league. Lord knows he can't draft a roster to save his life. Didn't you win one year, Tiger? I mean, who else was in the league that year? A tank of sea monkeys? Your action figures. You see, that's the problem. You created all of this to feed your own vanity. And it worked, at first. But you didn't look ahead. You didn't think about the fact that your complacency would lead you to us. Minus uh, Flamingo Flares. Always much love and respect to her. Without her, the league does not go anywhere. Actually, again, as we've said before, we vote you as the commissioner anytime you guys are ready. Flamingo pretty much runs things anyway. Kind of funny. You got a puppet commissioner who's really just a sidekick. A valet. Shit, after I won, there was no more monetary buy-in. That stopped all of a sudden. Didn't want us taking your money anymore, I see, huh? Shit, if I would have known commissioner was, you know, this easy? Dude, I've been commissioner of a dart league, fantasy football league for years. If I would have known it was this easy, just lounging in an Adirondack chair, talking weaker shit than a cup of McDonald's coffee, I would have signed up years ago. That's not how I do. It's not how we do. ODM, he took season four. I took season five. And we're going to take it again. Because it's your penance. It's what you deserve. We knew what we were doing all along. It's a group of marks. Good for you guys. It's cool. You're having fun. You're getting to watch your favorite wrestlers. Yay! But look it. You know, Flamingo Flares came to me and said, I want to make sure we can ship you the championship title. Because I did win. And all respect to her. I appreciate it. Right after WrestleMania, next day, she hit me up and I appreciate it. But... The title doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Not to the top of wrestling, at least. The last champion had it for, what, a couple of days? And Tiger shows up and takes the Kelly away from him. Never even having the chance to really, I guess, have a good time with the championship in any way that he wanted to. And now we have the new title. And whatever that may look like, that's fine. 
but look at we're going for the three-peat uh, let me take that that's that was really bad that I said that we're taking it we're going and we are going to take the three-peat whether it's ODM or the mid-card mafia we're we're gonna win season six of this draft but you can keep your championship we don't need it it's about as worthless or as worthful as this right here so we declare this season the winner will be the top of wrestling champion look at that right there you have your season four winner you got your season five winner we'll just keep this this is this is all that matters three peat baby three peat and not to quote John Cena, because that's who you guys would think this is, because you're that much of some marks, Tiger. The champs are here. The champ is here! The champ is here! The champ is here! Top-notch, by the way. Top-notch. Oh, you did a great job. It, you did a fan. It was better than I imagined it in my head. You did a fantastic job. It was, oh, the back-and-forth banter. Like, we, it was just so easy to work off of it. It was awesome. The paper championship. That's a, You can't really <laughs> tell great. what I'm talking about there, but I pull out a, a paper championship. It almost resembles the size of the Attitude Era World Championship, the not right after they got rid of the Winged Eagle right. one, the one that Austin and Triple H and everybody carried for a while. That's kind of the, the size of what it was. But the plates on the side, one was the season four champ, season five champ. <laughs> Soon to be season six. Um, but after we cut this five-minute promo, and remember, your commissioner in this league says he wants to do a reality-based series. He wants us to all cut video promos. It takes him two days to even put a comment to anything at all. And when he does, all he did was copy and paste MJF's promo, which it's funny because it's labeled MJF pipe bomb. We'll get to that. Uh, and he goes, that's what I think of you guys. <laughs> what? That Our names are Tony Khan? And because that's ba the whole thing was a, a, mar a thing on Tony Khan being a mark. Anyway, that was it. And a couple, you know, Thank God, Team Odin at least came in. He was like, guys, this is my year. I'm feeling good. I go, Jesus Christ, about time someone at least opened their mouth. Right. I'm like, no one's saying anything. Now, we just got done with our draft. Look at, I didn't think I would laugh so hard during a draft. Do you think people laugh during the NFL draft, the NBA draft? Like, when, when people are doing their fantasy draft, does someone, like, laugh when someone drafts certain football players? I don't, I don't, personally, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in those leagues. But God damn, I laughed a lot today. Um, here's a list of people who were actually attempted and taken at some point. Roman Reigns, Kenny Omega, Jeff Hardy. Uh, what was, what was the other one? Matt Hardy. Our truth Oh, and at the very end, Bray Wyatt. Are you guys trying to win the league at all, or are you really just picking your favorite action figures, as ODM likes to say, which I love, by the way. 
Um, and earlier today, I found a great picture of recent WWE action figures laid out on someone's kitchen table. It's a very easy, <laughs> very easy Google pick. Um, and I put it on the page for this morning's draft, and I said. ODM and I broke into his house, and look what we found on Tiger's uh, kitchen table here. He's ready for today's draft. His entire list is here. <laughs> and what's funny is that it was not too far. He chose – yo, name some people that he chose, please, before we tell you guys our list. Who did, what did uh, right. Tiger – So he opened up with Veer. Good. That was a good pick. It was definitely a good pick. That was solid. solid I go, oh, pick. someone figured the game out. Yep. Now, <laughs> he picked Ivy Nile, and at first I kind of clowned him, but – uh, I have to give him some credit. I think that was a good pick. Was it a second round pick? Eh, not really. No. But it was still seventh or eighth. Uh, third, Jade Cargill. Again, not necessarily what I would have taken her. Uh, then he picked Omega. Well, hang on. Let's talk about that one. She's thirty one or thirty two and zero, and she's been in the company for how long? Yeah. She only wrestles so so much, yeah. man. So have fun. Yep. Exactly. Good luck with that, Kenny Omega. Who? Has had multiple surgeries, and there's still no timetable on when he's coming back. And what was your immediate answer? Please give me that. Was this the one where I said, that guy here is dead? Yeah. <laughs> and then, then, Flamingo Flares goes, Jesus, do you want to draft Brody Brody Lee? And I go, oh, oh, look at, all right, I'm, that's, I mean, it's fucked up to say, but at the same point, she had to use that multiple times because that's how stupid some of these names were. What else did he go with? Uh, Alexa Bliss, who, I mean. Sure. Yeah, yeah. good luck with that. Uh, Malachi Black and Brody King, so good pairing there. Julia Hart, too, so Fair. he's got a lot of the stable there. It's not a bad one. Uh, Julia doesn't wrestle. Julia doesn't does wrestle she? much at all. No, she does, but not much. Uh, Montez Ford, again. Rey Mysterio. Uh Here's the thing. Uh, so I'll, I'll jump around here. Montez Ford, Rey Mysterio, Finn Balor. Uh, those are people who are 50-50 booking at best in WWE. Right. And not, not in the title picture in any sense of the word. So Ty Conti, who, unless she's getting tongues for getting tongue bashed by uh, Sammy Guevara on TV, she's not going to get a whole lot of points. Uh, Tony Nese, Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, Anthony Ogogo, and then the Hardy Boys. I don't know why you picked the Hardy. Dude, Jeff's about to die. You know, he's, he's already in bad shape. He's he's in rough shape, and Matt is just again probably fifty fifty booking. So, yeah, not a lot. And of he goes, I got to get the ass boys to get some wins, and I go, you, do you understand what the role of a jobber is? Yeah. And oh my god, what he got real mad. Yeah, I forgot what part times. it was when I said. Uh, Yo, how the fuck are you a wrestler and you don't understand how this business oh, works? Oh, because we were talking about the contracts. Because we were talking about because I hurt them heel that made a good a good point. He drafted MJF, and I, I think a bunch of us said, "Well, he's technically <coughs> not on the roster. If you go to the AEW page, he's not there." And he's like, "He has a contract with AEW." And I was like, "You know what? That's a good point. You're absolutely right." Why can't I have Bray Wyatt? Because he doesn't have a contract. Do you not know how contracts work? <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, do you want to go through your list, or you want me to go through mine first? Uh, I'll go through mine. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay. So, you know, you had the number one pick. I had the number two pick. I think that's important to note. Uh, so, Oh, it was very important. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't know. I debated Veer, which is funny that Tiger took him. I go, yeah. I need someone who takes wins weekly. Yep. And I went with Wardlow, because I feel like that's just a, that's a good gimme at least – He's uh, three out of four dynamites. That's a win. 
Yep, he's uh he's definitely getting pushed, so there's big things. So Yeah, so I started with Cody Rhodes. Um you know, obviously he's getting pushed to the moon. You can't really do anything about that. Yeah. Uh, second, I, I d- <laughs> this has nothing to do with liking anybody. Right. This is about a, a this is a game. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, next, uh, to further prove that I took Omas. Um, you know, still booked as dominant guys on TV weekly, so yep. shouldn't be a problem there. Uh, I took Adam Cole, baby. Uh, no matter how poorly I think he's booked from our personal perspective, they got him on TV a lot. He wins a lot, so. Uh, there's that. And then I took promos count, even promos backstage count. segments, promos, anything at all. Yep. There you go. Gunther, uh, which is a tough one just because, I mean, he's, you know, being on the main roster now, he's definitely getting more airtime and uh, definitely one of those dominant guys. Uh, Scorpio Sky, TNT champion, you know, on TV, cutting promos, wrestling. That's good. Smart move. Uh, Keith Lee. Uh, I'll jump ahead. I also took Swerve Strickland, so I've got the thrown together tag team. So it should be good. Oh, good. There. Uh, Ricky Starks. He is the FTW champion, and he does defend it sometimes, so I'll take that. Uh, I'm telling you, man, unless they turn and start handing it to FTR, Red Dragon, or someone else, I really, really have this feeling that even though it didn't happen at Double or Nothing, I have this feeling about Hobbs and Starks winning the tag titles at some point soon. I just feel like they're going to get that push, so I think you'll have those points. Yep. Uh, Hobbs would have been a nice pickup, but uh, somebody sniped them for me. That would have been Flamingos. Uh, let's see, Sammy Guevara, uh, say, say what you will, uh, Samoa Joe, ROH TV mm-hmm. title holder. So if he defends that on Dynamite, that's more points. Absolutely. Uh, Daniel Garcia won because Tiger hates him. Uh, and that was amazing. <laughs> and two, because he is in the jazz. He's in the Jericho Appreciation yeah. Society. He's getting he's getting a decent amount of wins here. So Weekly TV, that's what's, that's his that's what matters right uh frankie kazarian yeah he's on dark a lot but mm-hmm. he's still on the on the main show a bunch ricochet he's the ic title holder in wwe so there's more title defenses there uh and then we start getting into the you know they're not on tv a ton but they win a lot uh serena deep tony storm red velvet layla hirsch and marina shafir and those you gotta remember those are the dark, dark tapings. Yep. matters mm-hmm. aew dark matters and it's funny when i picked uh, my fifth pick, which was Miro. He goes, huh, even on TV, do you even watch wrestling? <laughs> he just came back, and he's dominant as ever. Right. I'm like, he's about to, like, I could have taken him as number one equally to to Wardlow, mm-hmm. and I would have felt as comfortable with Miro. Right. The fact that he went as late, it was like one of those things. I had a list of people where I was like playing around with my list. I was like, all right, I'm going to move this one. To, I think I can save him. I think he's not going to go. People are Once you start hearing the names of like, I'll take Seth Rollins. I'll take Kevin Owens. Yeah. I'll take Sami Zayn. I'm 50, like, 50 oh, oh, I can hold Miro. We got time. Yeah. Anybody, <laughs> that's that's my biggest thing, and perhaps I'm tipping my hand a little too much here, but I think it's common knowledge at this point. If you find somebody who's getting booked 50-50 at best, why would you pick them? Like the Mysterios, 100%, like you said. I mean, that's Ray could win today, but there's a good chance he's going to lose too. Yeah. Me, you, I want to take guys who are, more than likely going to have a win. Yep. I'm not looking for in my list. I think exemplifies that. Oh, Here we go. First name, like I said, was Wardlow. Back to back, I take Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, followed up with Kyle O'Reilly and later taking Bobby Fish. I what did I do again? My tag team tag road team. right. Yep. Then I took Miro, 
Uh, you sniped that one from me. You, sneaked, you, you did snipe oh. Miro. Felt good about that one. Athena. New and sniped, is going to win no matter what. that one from me. Again, how uh, they were playing with their favorite people that they know. Mm-hmm. I went with Bron Breaker. Snipe that one too. Yeah. Back to back, I take Santana and Ortiz. Hopefully, he wins this hair match. <laughs> I then asked right before you took Daniel Garcia because you were right after me in the draft, directly after I was number one, you were two. I took. Jared Leto, I mean, I'm sorry, Matt Menard, and that's when you took Garcia. And it's funny because he even goes, who's Matt Menard? I'm like, he talks every week because he's so amped up, they hand him the mic. Oh, that became an argument when he goes, uh, Magic Dan. I don't know who the fuck you're talking yeah, about, exactly. but that guy is not on there. And it, or whatever he kept saying over and over, and he's like, but that's who he is. Okay, well, it's not on the roster, and like eight people are telling you no. And he was trying to get at Matt Menard, who I had already taken at that point. <laughs> um, then I took Bobby Fish, Phoenix, Sean Spears, Mercedes Martinez, Ilya Dragunov. How did the UK champion go completely undrafted at number fucking 15 or 16? This is beyond me. Uh, Pack. And then I finished it off with uh, Chad Gable. So very, very happy with my... Entire list. I'm feeling good heading into this season. We're going for the three-peat. All right, now let's talk about some real shit. I know we just spent like a good 10 minutes talking about non-existent wrestling, but, you know, real stuff. Here we go. Uh, This week, we have news. We got AEW results. We got bringing to the table. We have that top topic we talked about. Uh, I really don't know if there's much we could really say when it comes to news other than, what, just MJF promo? I mean, is that is there anything else in news? I mean, I think that's the big one for sure. Uh, yeah, I okay. Mean, I'm sure, there's something we're we're blowing over, but not. I mean, that and punk, really. Well, we're gonna get to that yeah. as well. Um, but let's first start with MJF's promo one week uh, after our show, or one night, the uh, same night as our show drops. Of course, something big always happens when the show drops. Uh, good. It was a good promo. You're probably going to be, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on this. Maybe you're going to be the same as me. I don't know. We'll see what everybody's thoughts are because I didn't rank this in our top 25 as high as people may think. Why is because I already knew 95% of what he was saying because of the fucking social media, man. I mean, we mm-hmm. already know all of his complaints and everything. The only wow moment was saying fucking marks. Cool. But. Good promo. I like it. But it was a work. 100% a work. Mm-hmm. And people calling it a pipe bomb? Look at man. It's called a promo. It's called a, a shoot. Pipe bomb is just Punk's thing. It's a, it, And you know what I mean? It was just his own version. But say it was equally as good as Punk's pipe bomb? No. Not even close. And I'll debate that later on, too. But what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah. I mean, I think pipe bomb has just become a term. Uh, yeah. And for the marks, I mean, it definitely was a pipe bomb to them, even though for us, we've kind of already discussed this multiple times that this is bullshit. Uh, 
I don't want to say too much about it in that scenario until we bring it to the table because, uh, you know, I kind of want to bring some stuff up there. Oh, bring it to the table. Uh, okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say the top topic. All right. Good to yeah. know. So it's going to be a lengthy show with all of this uh, this topic. <laughs> but it was it, it was it was an awesome promo. I think we knew a lot of what he was going to say, like you mentioned, uh, and he definitely did. But it's MJF and, you know, he makes you believe it. You know, even though you know that delivery was solid. Yeah, delivery was delivery. Solid. The great, you know, yeah. he he starts yelling at the crowd before he looks into the camera and he says, "Fire me, you fucking mark." Now, and, did it come across clear on TBS as that? No, it was beeped out, and that's the other thing. They were pretty well prepared for it. Yeah, um, but which that's you could read the other lips. part. Yeah, is, you could read his lips pretty well. Right. If you got the fight TV version, that's where it's completely uncensored. And that's ah. what I'm sure a lot of people have nice. found on seen, YouTube yeah, at some point. That one, yeah. And then the mic gets turned yeah. off. So, you know, it's similar to, to CM Punk's uh, pipe bomb in that, in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a problem with it being called a pipe bomb. I, again, I think it's a very general term that's used nowadays. Um, it, it was a fantastic promo. It, it really needs to stand the test of time. It has to mean something. Uh, with Punk, we can look back and we know that the whole, you know, everything that led up to that and everything where it went afterwards. So, it holds a lot of meaning because it still seems relevant today because everything that he said there, he still feels and is still true. Uh, will this hold up to time? And even like, you know, near future booking, uh, we're going to have to wait and see. But yeah, delivery content, I think they were all spot on. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I we said this from the beginning. It, it's to yeah and i don't want to, and to again, say I don't want to go too much into it but i i really liked it uh I'll be, i'm interested to see on where you have it on the list and what's ahead of it so fair enough i think that'll be the best to way say to that uh these ex wwe guys can't even lace my boots yeah I mean, that's i like you, know, you said where what where to stand during the test of time and it's like <laughs> that's accuracy you know kind of like what punk was saying he believed to be true you know damn well MJF believes that he is better than 90% of wrestlers who are out there because it is about the showmanship, the character, a lot of that stuff. It is about the moves nowadays, but why did everybody like Million Dollar Man? He didn't do one goddamn thing off the top rope. Nope. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe second rope at best with a punch. But it's it it's about your groundwork, but it's also about the character pissing people off, getting under their skin, being a true heel, being that guy. He's been that. We shouldn't be too shocked about any of this stuff happening. But I think it was a good promo. Um, but to kick off Dynamite, I don't know if it was when Punk decided to jump in off the rope that they said was slippery, or if it was when he decided to take the dive into the crowd at the beginning of the show and hit his knee on the barricade or what, but Punk needs surgery and on Rampage ends up half relinquishing the title. I mean, it was beyond confusing because I, I texted you. I go, bro, Punk has a special. And I texted you like maybe 20 after. I had just found out myself. I just got home. And I said, Punk's doing apparently a promo tonight uh, about the title. So we both hurry up and check in. And you and I both went, uh, so what does that mean? <laughs> no idea, because they left it going to commercial with, you thought it was Excalibur, it was actually Jericho. Oh, okay. It said, uh, he's relinquishing the title. Or it seemed like that. Yeah. But Punk's conversation didn't make it seem like he was relinquishing the, t- the title or his promo. 
He said that Tony said this is just a bump in the road. I, again, am going to say what I had to say about the interim championship for TNT titles. The TNT title, same thing. What the fuck is the point of an interim champion? If Punk is still going to be your champion and you're going to let his days count, the numbers count, right? Let him Brock Lesnar it then, right? He doesn't have to be there. Yeah. Champion doesn't have to be there. Make other things happen. You have a Ring of Honor World title. You have a, a Ring of Honor, a bunch of different championships by them, oh, plus yeah. all your own AEW championships, plus you're about to introduce trios from what we're hearing in rumors. So Ugh. what is the point of putting an interim championship there? Because does that title count? Let's just say... You have already said it seems like all signs are going to point to Moxley, and that's just me and you on the side, and we're going to get into that. But So is Moxley a two-time champion or a one-time and a one-time interim? That's a good question. That's a good question. And can Because that's the other thing. We don't know the specific injury, and we don't know how long it's going to be. So is it that Moxley is going to be the interim champ and he'll defend it or not? Or he just holds it until – but you know what I mean? So, are they going to do the same thing? We're going to fast forward title a little bit. where a heel wins it for Moxley. Then when Punk comes back, he's not going to give it up. So they're both champions, and then they have a match to see who's actually the champion. You know what I mean? They did that with the TNT. Title, so why so. not? If that's the case, if you want Punk to be your champion, strip him of the title if he can't wrestle for the next five six months. Oh, not even strip, less than that. Relinquish whatever you want to call months. it. Yeah, whatever it ends up being, but. Day one, when he comes back, it's booked for whatever it is, a dynamite, a pay-per-view, I don't care, and it's Punk versus whoever the champion is. Yep, I agree. He gets first. You don't have to make an interim champion. Exactly, I agree. It's either a champion or Punk remains your champion. There's no point in doing this eliminator tournament. Agreed. Which, so fast-forwarding ahead, uh, you know, the... It was supposed to be Punk versus Tanahashi at Forbidden Door for the AEW championship. Yep. And it was going to be Okada, which was rumored against Adam Page, but it really got knocked down. Dave Meltzer reported that he was wrong. It's not going to be Okada and Page, which wow. is fucking tremendous. Thank God. Yeah. Um, not that I don't think Page would have given him a good match. I mean, Marty Skrull gave him a great match, you know, and I think that Page is very capable of it, but it's not the match we want. Right. That's not why we're opening this forbidden door. Um. So it's tonight, there's going to be a battle royal. And the winner of the battle royal is going to face John Moxley at the end of tonight. And the winner of that match will go on to face the winner of Hiroki Goto, or Hiroki Goto and Hiroshi Tanahashi, which is going to take place at Dominion um, I just a couple of days from now. Uh, June 12th. So thank you. So, I'm going to go ahead and say all signs are most likely pointing to, if I had to put money on this, John Moxley is going to face Hiroshi Tanahashi. I mean, they've been having the writing on the wall for the longest time. It's an easy time to put it in. You didn't plan for it, okay? You never planned that we would finally face off for a vacant championship once Punk gets hurt. (laughs) You know, it's... But they've been dancing around with Mox and Tanahashi for the longest time. He's been saying he's a fucking coward and that he'll be the new ace of New Japan if Hiroshi isn't going to face him. Perfect time. Get this done now. 
who faces Moxley, I'm going to say right now, is going to be a major underdog. It's going to be Darby Allen, or it's going to be um, not a Dante Martin. It's going to be a good underdog that you're like, shit, this guy could maybe actually beat Moxley, but Moxley's going to go on to Forbidden Door. More than likely. And then, for, and then Moxley wins at Forbidden. Unless What's your it's, deal? Unless it's Miro or Danielson. If Miro because wins the, the Battle Royal, Miro goes on, I think, to Forbidden Door. Yeah, and here's the thing. You can't too, let him uh, lose this early. Looking at the uh, press release uh, from AEW, it is set up so that when Punk comes back, he'll face whoever is the interim champ, and they'll have a unification match. So they are doing exactly that. So why do you need the fucking champ? Oh, God damn it. Oh, my God, I'm upset. Oh, my God. How about you just, well, Punk is out. We're going to have this really awesome, badass tournament for the next couple of months until he gets back, and the winner, once it culminates, face Punk. Yeah. Imagine that. Jesus, it bo- I can't even tell you how much it, it almost makes me cringe how much it bothers me. It pisses me off. All right, well, that's that's that. Do you have a prediction, though, other than what I've said? Uh, I mean, I, it, it seems like the writing on the wall, writing is on the wall that it would be Moxley. Again, I could see it being Miro or Danielson because they're both. Because, you I mean, if you did the Danielson thing, then it's hot. It's the guys from Blackpool Combat, and they already fought, which, meh, I just like that because it's Danielson. But Miro is, 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 is reasonable because... He's been back a short while, and he already looks like a beast again. And he's certainly capable of, you know, you could argue that because it's Miro, he maybe can't hold that top spot, but he's a dominant heel. You just have him go and beat the shit out of people, and then Punk versus him, that that could be a good battle. Why? But, and it's to say that, to say, like, he can't be that in that spot and be dominant. It's never been tried. Why not? He is so over. Yeah. When Miro came back, and I was just about to go through the Dynamite results, you know, we've talked about a lot of the big stuff already. You know, Tanahashi came out to face off with Punk, and Punk was sitting on the rope, by the way, which was a bad sign already. He was sitting on the rope, and Dax is like, you okay? I, I already knew something was up. Um, but Miro came, came back and defeated Johnny Elite, Johnny Nitro, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, but what I want to get to is later on we find out with the Jericho Appreciation Society promo, Matt Menard decided to do a line, come out and talk. Kingston passes off the mic to William Regal because it's as close as you could get to saying war games. And w- William Regal lets us know that we're going to get war games or oh, blood and guts. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but here's what I want to bring up to you. Moxley just said at the end of this night, yep, count me in, right? Because we only know two guys who are going to be in on this. We don't know that it's going to be the entire same Anarchy Rules match, or same five versus five, because that match is going to take place on June 29th. Now, June 26th is Forbidden Door. Does Moxley deal with all of that and as an AEW World Champion head into Blood and Guts? Or does he keep his mind on the blood and gut stuff? Or since he just got, since Punk got injured, he removes himself from blood and guts. Or I'm just saying, there's a lot to look at with this. Or Jericho Appreciation Society interferes in Moxley's match, and whoever he faces wins it that way. Could you imagine if Hiroshi Tanahashi became the AEW World Champion? Wouldn't even be mad. It'd be something. <laughs> 
That's like John Cena coming over and winning right. it. Right. Then it'd be punk, I mean, that's, it'd be that's, punk versus Tanahashi then. Yeah. I'd be okay with it. Yeah. So later on in the night, we also get uh, Red Dragon, the Old Bucks, and Hikaleo. Am I saying it right? Hikaleo. Sure. Defeated Matt Hardy, Christian, the Dinosaurs, and Darby Allen. Athena is officially all elite. We had cut that shit Tony one more time, and they doubled down on the horrible women's six, uh, six-woman face-off. Yeah. Yeah. They, same exact thing where they all just stood in the same line looking at each other like they were getting ready to rumble in West Side Story. Uh, Wardlow made easy work of J.D. Drake. Ruby Soho and Tony Hader defeated Britt Baker and Jamie Hader. And in the main event, fucking bloody war between John Moxley and your newest draftee, Daniel Garcia. And that's, again, where Moxley says he's in for blood and guts. And then on Rampage, uh, Scorpio Sky retained against Dante Martin. Decent match. We knew there was no chance of him winning. Uh, and the Young Bucks defeated Red Dragon. Or, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry uh, Lucha Brothers. Luchas, yeah. Now... This was in California, and I was seeing some of the live notes because it was in Ontario, California, and L.A. You know how, like, when you sing someone's song, people are like, that's they're over. To me, if you're singing someone's right. song, it's right. like everybody loves that. Ruby Soho's was one of the loudest singing songs, apparently, of the weekend. Huh. I fucking love it. I think it's awesome. So... Man, that's I, I. So tonight we're gonna have the battle royal. Do you know what the best part about a draft? You don't know who's gonna uh, be in about, there. about a battle. Um, yeah, you have no idea. But if Wardlow gets into this thing, he's not gonna win. But yeah. each elimination gives you a point. Oh, jeez, I didn't even think about that. Well, I got Adam Cole, and that certainly could be in the numbers too. Keith Lee, yeah. It's funny, they're all worried about, because tonight, while we're recording this here, it's Hell in a Cell tonight. Yeah, don't, guess what, if you're if you're listening to the show to get your Hell in a Cell results, can't give them to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not planning on it, ever. But they're like, oh, well, he's tonight, he's on that card. What's tonight? Hell in a Cell, oh, no shit, that's on? They're still doing that? Okay. At Cody. So. All right, man, let's bring something to the table. <laughs> Just bring it! All right, you know, normally I, I like to give you an idea of what my bringing to the table is, you know, written down here, but I haven't updated any of the notes, okay. so it's a little more on the fly. Much like today's top topic, doing the same thing, you have no <laughs> idea. So, uh, but I'll, I'll let you go first, please. I see you have some notes here. I'm actually interested to hear what you were going to say because it bounces off some of the things we talked about earlier. Absolutely. Well, it has to do with weekly cornet references, and I'm just going to go through a disclaimer because I feel like I say it a lot, but I still want to say it because I feel it needs to be said. Uh, if you listen to our disclaimer, we have not worked in the business. We have no experience entering, booking, backstage, none of that stuff. We are, at the end of the day, marks just like all of you. Uh, but, but we're too good-looking marks. Yes. <laughs> You're talking to somebody else? or Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, the weekly cornet references, it's kind of a gag. Uh, you know, we're, we're almost in bumper territory with that. But there's for, it's for a reason. It's because I don't agree with everything Cornette says, but I listen weekly, one, because I find him entertaining. He always makes me laugh. 
and he has insight into the business. Sure, he might be antiquated. He might be stuck in the old ways. He may not want to, but he also understands booking, and he's admitted when, when Punk debuted, he says that his opening line was awesome. I still remember it. He goes, well, they didn't do it how I would have done it. They did better. I mean, like, it's just, he breaks down uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia. He basically talks about how that whole song is a wrestling <laughs> angle. It's, a, it's amazing how he breaks it down. So this week they're talking about MJF's promo. Uh, and he said something that was just, it, it, it kind of took, you know, like I said, we've been saying from the beginning, it's a work, it's a work, it's a work. He said something that made so much sense and it was, you know, he's probably just going into business for himself and he's not telling Tony Khan because he knows if he tells Tony, Tony's going to ruin it. So he's just gone into so like he just took Cornette just took it a step further. He's like, yeah, he's you know he just going into business for himself and not telling Tony. He is really bringing back kayfabe, uh, just like I said. So yeah, there you go. Well, I, I'm either way. Going back to, to honestly to to the draft, it's like yeah, he's definitely draftable because. He, come on, man! It's yeah, a storyline. It's a work until until I Shit, see him show up somewhere else. The battle royal. Oh Jesus! Oh man! Yeah. Could you imagine? Ooh, that would. Oh man! Oh fuck that! Someone got him. Oh no! <laughs> come on! I thought that was an easy one. All right, man. Here is what I am bringing to the table. I had a dream. And I punched that boy in the face. Wow. Let's go to the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. What are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? What, do we become assholes or something? Give me a hell yeah. Shut out the pain. He cannot. Oh my goodness. He cannot. Jeff Jarrett has won the United States Heavyweight Championship. Courtesy of Eddie Guerrero. Courtesy of Eddie Guerrero is right. A new champion crowned here in Boston, here on Nitro. Well, there he is. Jeff Pretty wacky weekend, I would say, for uh, this week in history for 1997, as we keep looking back at these Monday Night Wars, because generally, yeah, we don't necessarily go over ECW stuff, but if a WWE talent happens to show up on their show in a response or a receipt as to the many times that Paul Heyman or Paul E. Dangerously has showed up on Raw, well, kind of works in fairness to... Have someone go over there. So, not only do we have Wrestlepalooza, we have King of the Ring, which was the next night. And then we have, of course, the real Monday Night Wars, Raw and Nitro. On Saturday night, Wrestlepalooza 97, 
Of course, taking place none other than Philly. And, okay, a lot of stuff going on here, but I'll, I'll get through some quick undercard shit. Um, the Pitbulls defeated FBI, which was Guido and Tracy Smothers, because, you know, nothing says more full-blooded Italian than Tracy Smothers. <laughs> The Dudleys defeated the Sandman and Balls Mahoney. Terry Funk retained his world title over Chris Candido with Tammy Sitch. Back that up. That's right. While working with WWE as Sonny, and she keeps doing these super soaker commercials for (laughs) Scrambled Side Up, she actually is doing an appearance here. Wouldn't be her first time this night either. Found that very interesting. Then it is a loser leaves town match. Tommy Dreamer takes on Raven. After a shitload of fuckery. I mean, Raven's flock or whoever that they're considered there in ECW, they get involved. Uh, people on behalf of Tommy Dreamer, you have Beulah McGillicuddy, you have Francine, you have... I mean, everybody was getting involved in this match. But finally, Tommy Dreamer does the unthinkable. He beats Raven. And this is that very special, memorable moment where Dreamer has Raven in the setup for a DDT and screams EC-fucking-W and DDTs him for the win. Five seconds after, you see Dreamer crying, and boom, the lights go out. And here is RVD in Sandman just beating up on uh, Tommy Dreamer. Raven stands up, walks through, kind of gives a little shove to the guys, but not much, but just leaves the ring. He's not going to help his foe because that's been his biggest enemy Uh, in ECW all this time. And just as it seems Dreamer is going to get the upper hand on both guys, he double DDTs both guys, lights go out again, and it stays out a little longer this time. You keep getting a little bit of flash photography from people in the crowds, and finally someone goes, holy shit, it's starting to pick up. In the dark, you can sometimes tell when they're there live. But then as soon as the lights hit, it's Jerry Lawler. And Dreamer goes to run at him, and Sabu takes him out at the top. Raven or uh, RVD takes him out at the legs. Bam, just takes him right down. And Jerry Lawler is just, look at you fucking idiot. Look at this scumbag haul. Oh, my God. He is on fire. Pointing as Francine is being held down. Or no. Beulah, Beulah McGillicuddy is who used to be with Dreamer. She's being held in the corner by Luis Piccoli. Dreamer going, ha, look at this slut over here. Ha, man. And then Taz comes out, clears house. And now we get Taz versus Sabu because that match was on the card for tonight. Sabu ends up winning. But after that, While Taz is sitting in the ring and recuperating, Shane Douglas, who already had a match earlier in the night defending his TV title, making quick work of some jobber, is standing at the the mic, or I'm sorry, is standing at the top of the arena with 
Chris Candido, Tammy Sitch, Francine, and his ECW Television Championship. Taz says, I know I can beat you for that championship. And he goes, I'll tell you what. If I can't tap you out in five minutes or less, I'll never wrestle for this company again. And I'm like, seems to be a theme going around, right? Because that's what Brett was just doing with uh, Sean. I won't wrestle in America. It's kind of a a big theme. I think they were even doing it on WCW at this time, too. Um, Goats him into it and taps Shane Douglas out to close the night out in three minutes and becomes the television champion. It was a really just awesome, upbeat pay-per-view. Um, but this wasn't a pay-per-view. It was one of those special shows right. because this is before their first big show, which is... Oh, no, they already had Barry yeah, Meal at this yeah. point. They had, that was April 97, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, was it? Or is that April 98? No, because that's uh, where Funk won the title. Let's not get all hung up on that because... Yes, correct. Thank you. Yes, and that's why he's champion right now. Um, but this one, I, maybe it was a pay-per-view, but it, it's kind of one of those more hard-to-find ones. Not on the network, and it's uh, it's probably for good reason with all the stuff that Lawler's spewing out there. But the next night, we got King of the Ring. Now, do you want to break kayfabe? Yeah, why not? We do it all the yeah, time. Let's, let's break kayfabe. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Tell everybody your story. Yeah, this so is some I was funny shit. I was prepping for the wars, you know, trying to get caught up. Time is very, uh, you know, valuable around here. So I uh, fire up Peacock and started watching the Great American Bash 1997. And I move on to Nitro and realize that Great American Bash is for next week. And it was King of the Ring this week, so I did not get to King of the Ring. And it's kind of like, well, why don't you go back and watch it? And it's like, do you have six hours of your time? No, I already watched three hours of Great American Bash. I'm going to call it there. We're good enough. Yep. You're prepped for next week. That's prepped awesome. Week. But guess what? I'm prepped for this week when it comes to uh, the King of the Ring. I watched it. And I got to say, it was my first time watching King of the Ring 1997 in its entirety. 30 seconds in, a Vlad sighting. Nice. I already knew it was going to be a, pay, a good pay-per-view as soon as I saw Vlad. Commentary is Vince and JR. And first opening match uh, for the King of the Ring semifinals is Triple H versus Ahmed Johnson. With very light distraction. They they made it play off like it was a big thing, but I got to be honest, it's a giant upset. Very little of a distraction with China to the ref. And... It was enough that Ahmed turns around, gets pedigreed, loses. That's kind of a big thing for Ahmed to lose. I mean, for how heavy he's been pushed at this point and taking a pretty clean loss to Triple H. Maybe a good thing, of, a good sign of things to come for Triple H one day. <laughs> <laughs> the next match, they go right into it where it's Mankind versus the guy who was just at Palooza the night before, Jerry the King Lawler, who comes to the ring... Just on fire. Looking at this one guy going, hey, is your parole officer know that you're even here tonight? <laughs> uh, just just good stuff. And then starts talking about mankind, and it was just you know him being the ugliest person in the WWE. Now, I got to be honest, with the amount of time that Jerry Lawler was taking and talking, I was like, okay, yeah, now this is going to be a pretty quick squash. I knew mankind was going to the finals to face Triple H, right? I always remember that. 
Jerry put on a pretty good fucking fight. It was a good like ten minute match. It was it was not bad. Like and he put up a good fight throwing mankind into the steps, taking some bumps. I mean, it was a lot better than I thought it was. Or that it was at least going to be. Let's not forget. We're coming off of last year watching King of the Ring where it was Ultimate Warrior and Jerry Lawler. Hmm. Remember, we sat through that last year, you and I. Yeah. So Um What was up next? On your list here, I, I I had some notes. I was semi relying on you, knowing I watched this, but I, I no, you're yeah. on it, you're on it. What was the next match? And I'll give you my uh, notes. Next, we had Gold Dust and Crush. Uh, Gold Dust with the win there. Yeah, in miscommunication with the nation, it's going to be kind of a little sign of things to come for the next day or so here. But yeah, Gold Dust takes the win, pretty big win. They're really starting to push Gold Dust in this time right here as a face and i mean every time he, he gets a big win he, he hugs marlene he's dropping the whole um androgynous type gimmick he's just going as just a guy who's playing a character now. right total difference and obviously since they broke down the the story mode of him and his family next match heart foundation versus psycho sid and the legion of doom uh heart Fo- moment <laughs> of the night all right, I thought about winging this since you told me that you didn't uh, you didn't get to watch. But, kayfabe, guys, uh, a couple of minutes ago, after I told you about my dream, we took a break, and I needed ODM to turn up or turn on the Peacock Network or the and I needed him to watch this promo at least. That's all I needed him to do. I didn't care if you watched the pay-per-view. That's fine. Hey, man, we got we got lives. We understand it, and we're trying to deliver the Monday Night Wars and revisit it and see if it's worth it. When's, it, when's time to cap off? When is it just to watch for fun? And this is a fun moment I couldn't let you pass up. Doc Hendricks is backstage with the Legion of Doom and Psycho Sid as they're preparing for their match against Owen Bulldog and the Anvil. Now, their promo is following up with Todd Pettengill. But first, Hendrix interviews LOD, Sid, Animal. Would you like to break down what you got to see and what I had to make sure that you got to see today? Well, it starts with Hawk's well. And while Hawk is cutting his promo, Sid is mouthing everything that he's saying. And then it cuts... Word for word. Word for word. And then it gets cut over to Animal, and at first it's kind of looking up, almost like he's trying to remember the lines, and then starts mouthing. Animal's part of the promo, even as Animal (laughs) turns to him to turn it over to him. So he was apparently big on memorizing lines. I called my wife in the room. I go, yo, you got to see this. I'm not going to give you any context. Just watch this and see what's going on. She goes, holy shit. He's saying everything he's saying. <laughs> she goes, is he that bad at promos? I go, this is a guy that told people that he, <clears throat> he messed up his promo and told someone that even though I'm, or you may be a bigger man than I am. I have half the brain that you do. Yep. And then when live said, ah, let's start this one over. <clears throat> Dude, it reminded me of that point in, uh, Wayne's World with a and in five, four, <laughs> three. Guys, we still see your mouths moving. Like, that was exactly what it he was. looked like. He was like, five, four. Oh, it was horrible. But then it doesn't stop there. After a pretty decent match, actually. I'm going to say it was a good, solid six-man match. 
and it got you excited because I like seeing the Hart Foundation as a unit, so you like seeing them as a team. Owen, or I'm sorry, uh, Sid had British Bulldog set up to go for a power bomb, and just as he's ready to lift him, Owen jumps off of the turnbuckle, doing like a sunset flip over the other side to pull him down for the pin. Sid barely goes with him. This was goddamn. Sid didn't have a broken neck like Sean or like uh, Steve Austin, but this is pretty goddamn close to this pin. He does the flip over to him, and Sid falls down and could very easily have gotten up, moved a body part, anything at all. Weak pin. Owen pins him. Horrible. Owen didn't have legs on his arms, anything at all. It just and Sid was like, oh, just kind of moving around like he's half wiggling his ass. Like and that was pretty much it. That was the end of that match. So not only did he botch the promo, he made sure to follow up by botching the end of the match. <laughs> That's All good right. That. What happened next? Uh, next, we've got our finals for King of the Ring. Uh, Triple H defeating Mankind. Uh, again, lots of interference from China, naturally. Uh, smashes. Uh, China hits Mankind over the back with the scepter uh, after the match. Uh, Triple H smashes the crown over uh, Mankind's back. Yep. And, oh, Solid moment where the uh, the the point where it's pretty popular if you've ever seen it, but mankind goes running th- uh, at Triple H and Triple H moves out of the way, and mankind ties his head up between the top and middle rope, like in a kind of like kind of like you know when people get their arms wind up in the like he did when he rope. got when like he, he does that many against Vader. When he lost his ear. Exact same thing. Thank you. Did this exact same move again. He went just trying to double down for his ear, I guess. And this time it rips the mask off. And he wrestles a good chunk. He puts it back on. But then he takes it back off again. And wrestles the rest of the match without it. So kind of looking Cactus Jack-like style for the rest of the match. Just notable points, you know. But good match in... You know this is going to be a huge rivalry, and this is just the beginning of it. I forgot how good this thing began, and it, for a very solid finals match, I mean, I don't think anybody ever really thought it was going to be King Mankind, but his promos that he was doing in in between heading into this night here in, in the night, or I'm sorry, in between each match, he's like, I could be a good king, I could do it. It was it was great, but comes up short. Triple H wins. And then we get the main event, which is one of two main events. The Undertaker versus. No, no, we still got Shawn Michaels versus Austin. <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Um, you know why I didn't write it down? Generally, it's a speak for itself match. Yep. For the most part, this match pretty much was just that. Uh, except about 35 seconds in after the bell rings. You remember how we always talk about how kids are so excited to get Shawn Michaels, they'll, like, fall over the barricade <laughs> getting to him? Well, someone did. And look Couldn't at Couldn't stop a mud hole in this one. I got to say, yeah, well, I got to say this, man. We all know that by this exact point in time right now, Shawn is pilled up. Oh, yeah. Most likely, right? For the most part, yeah. I 
commend the living shit out of him for how he handled this mm-hmm. because the yellow security jackets were kind of taking this guy down, it looked like, or kind of dragging him at least. Not beating the fuck out of him, but at right. least moving him around. And Sean stops in the ring after just taking, uh, after Austin took him down and flipped him off. He went running over. He goes, hey, hey, and grabs Adam. And now you can see it's a special needs kids. I think I want to I, I think he. Yeah, Down syndrome. Yes. Yeah. Um, and WWE, not once, but twice, goes, the special Olympian uh, somehow made it over the bar- barricade. Special Olympian. It was just kind of a. I, I, okay, sure. But what I love about this, have we ever talked about this on this show, or have you and I just talked about it on the side? Just on the side, brought it up. I, it's funny that you had you know told mentioned it to me. I uh, saw something on Twitter uh, reminiscing on it, just because obviously it's about twenty five years ago. So yeah, saw you know I saw some yeah. you know, video package of it. What I love is Sean plays into it. Um, you know, at least uh, like he takes care of the kid and then gets him to going towards backstage. You see the mother starting to come over as well. Right. But just before that, Sean turns the kid and kind of gives him a hug from behind and is like kind of whispering something at him. And it's in the kid starts pointing at Austin, like being like, yeah, man, you like I'm going to get you or something like that. Like kind of having him play, right. which was nice, you know, what I mean? yeah. like turning a bad situation to something good. And Austin was like, get him out of here. Like, but he also pulled. I think it was Hebner. He pulled him in and was like, yo, if you don't know what's going on over here, he actually at one point, like everybody had to break kayfabe. Yeah. What I loved is that the Goldust match had been prior to this, so this kid then on his walk through towards the back starts bending down and picking up gold dust on the ground and throwing it in the air towards the crowd. I go, I fucking love this moment. Everything about this. like, And I said to you, even in text, I go, not in a mocking way. I love this moment. Sean handled it great. Yeah. Everything was done well. Um, it could have been handled. It could have been taken so much worse. It and could have. Look what fucking happened to Gronk. He was supposed to be a part of the show, and that woman charged to spear him. Thankfully, this kid didn't get hurt. Uh, it was just interesting moment. If you've never watched it, just interesting to say the least. It's something that's very famous. And uh, the match... Ends up basically being a double DQ because Austin takes out a ref. Sean takes out a ref. It's a bunch of yep. shit. And, yeah, it, I didn't like the ending. But, I mean, it was them just getting so frustrated. I think that's the best way you could have done it. To be honest with you, it's not how I had the ending. I thought it was actually going to be Heart Foundation getting involved, and they didn't. So it was actually more of just these two guys, and it was a double DQ. Then we move on to... Farouk and the Undertaker for the championship. Okay, I gotta go to the back. Uh, I gotta go back to the very, very beginning of the night. The opening promo for this part. Tonight, for the first time ever, two WWE Tag Team Champions face off. Who will be the first? Or who will be the 1997 King of the Ring? And will WWE have its first African American champion? 
all while it has the most dreaded music in the background, I'm like, could you sound any more like you don't want this to happen? I was like, Jesus. It was just really bad, man. Everything played on it is everything we've already heard in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, could you have not said it in a lighter way? Like, could Farouk maybe be the first ever black champion or something? Whatever you want to say. But they just made it. Just wanted to play on that, by the way, or say all that because as soon as it, as soon as the promo hit in the beginning, I go, Christ. <laughs> yep. Um, but the nation couldn't cheat enough; they couldn't get the job done, and Farouk loses to the Undertaker. What's more shocking is that at the end, Paul Bear is demanding that the Undertaker puts a little more of a beat down on Farouk, to which. He does because Undertaker is under the power of Paul Bearer. Because if not, he is going to release the information of whatever the secret is. The secret. And what's the oddest ending to this show that I would have never thought would have happened? I swear to God, I had no idea about this. Ahmed comes out. And starts yelling at Taker, being like, you need to drop this fool. Get rid of him. He, he, he's he's messing with your head. And fucking Ahmed just Pearl River plunges Undertaker. And minus Undertaker sitting up, that's how you end the pay-per-view. I go, what? Are you shitting me? I, ne- I never knew that. I never knew that Ahmed Johnson, Pearl River plunges Undertaker because he's so mad that he joins uh, Paul Bear. Pre-Kane. I don't remember any of that, man. Glad I rewatched this pay-per-view. A lot of good stuff. All right, man. Take it over. What happened on Raw and Nitro since you did watch that? Or did you watch next week's of those? <laughs> yeah, I watched this week. I watched this week. All right. So, uh, speaking of Ahmed, he ends the pay-per-view. He actually starts Raw with LOD, taking on the nation, consisting of Savio, Crush, and Farouk. Animal hit this great flying shoulder tackle. You know, he always does that. He comes off the ropes, hits that flying shoulder tackle. This time, he hit the guy. He hit him so square, he landed on his feet. It just looked amazing because usually he'll do it and he'll just, you know, he'll hit the mat and he'll get up. Uh, this one, he landed on his feet. It was beautiful. Uh, Ahmed got... Can we just talk about the fact that it's Ahmed in LOD and not Sid in LOD? I think they were like, well, that was enough last night. <laughs> well, this time you get Prozac is a hell of a drug because Ahmed's fired up. Um, I love it. Basically, what we get is Farouk, uh, you know, ends up in the ring uh, reluctantly. Uh, not getting any help from Crush or Savio, so he ends up going to the floor yelling at both of them. LOD just sandwiches him. Uh, Ahmed ends up hitting the Pearl River Plunge for the win and uh, get a big pot for that one. Uh, next, we get a brief video package just recapping some of the events at King of the Ring, which is weird because typically they won't show video snippets from the pay-per-view. Uh, they did here, though. Very quick ones, a little blurred, though. Uh, next, we get Triple H in ring with China. Uh Triple H, even though he broke the crown at King of the Ring, he's got a brand new one already. Uh, Vince calls out Triple H for hitting the pedigree on the announce table, China using the scepter, Triple H beating him down with the crown. And I don't remember this, and I don't understand why this is not talked about, and I'm wondering if it's on your list, because Triple H tells Vince, you know, I should have won this last year. And the only reason I didn't was because of mm-hmm. your game, your politics. Okay. I don't. It's the first time I'd ever heard him say that. I was like, "Oh wow!" I didn't realize he actually called that yeah. out. There's a number of firsts in this fucking promo, by the way. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Well, 
I'll, I'll tell you what I picked up. There's one more thing that's a big first to me, I feel like, I, that I don't think happened before. But Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, I'm about to get to it because uh, in the middle of his promo, Mankind's on the Tron saying basically he wants a rematch. And, you know, Triple H does the normal, hey, you know, I, you know, I was taking joy in beating your ass. And, uh, you know, what, what do you think, China? And China actually speaks for the first time. Says, you should yep. come to the ring and kiss my ass. To which Mankind says, well, it's your lucky day because I'm a good kisser. I loved it. <laughs> Best response ever. It's your lucky day as I'm a good kisser. Uh, God, I love this era of mankind. I forgot. I I actually, because once we started the wars, I've been like, eh, all right, yeah, on certain people, right? And then as soon as he started doing just a couple of funny things, I go, okay, yeah, now I remember why I used to love him. Okay, yeah. all right. Sometimes when you're so far removed, you're like, yeah, he just took a bunch of fucking table bumps. But you know, it's like, no, he's, he's quite a character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it's weird. His characters were bleeding together, and I don't know if that's on purpose because he does end up coming down to the ring, and on the way to the ramp, he does the Cactus Jack, Cactus Jack finger guns. Uh, so yep. that was pretty cool. Uh, th- he's able to beat down uh, Cactus, though, or Mankind. Uh, he uses the crown again, doesn't break this time. Uh, China and Triple H just leave the ring, but the crown's still in there, and as Triple H goes to get it back, Mankind's able to grab it and just put it on his head real quick. So, ha-ha. <laughs> so, ha-ha. So next we get uh, Doc Hendricks and Sonny hawking the new Raw is War t-shirt. It's funny, it only comes in large, extra large, and double XL. I mean, obviously, we're targeting their key demo there. Uh, Big, beefy people. <laughs> uh, we get a quick recap of Bulldog winning the European title as he is going to be defending it for the first time uh, against Goldust. Uh, let's see, they both end up on the floor brawling. It's a double countout. Uh, Bulldog drops Goldust on the steps head first. Uh, Marlena slaps Bulldog for beating him down post-match after it has already been called. Uh, rolls Goldust back into the ring. Uh, gets another slap for Marlena. Bulldog grabs a chair. Marlena shields Goldust. Uh, Bulldog shoves down the ref. It looks like he's going to wind up and just go ahead and hit Marlena. Shamrock makes the save, uh, grabs him, gives him like that kind of side suplex thing, and it's our first glimpse into crazy Shamrock, pretty much. <laughs> oh, yeah, between that and... Well, man... Bulldog pushed Shamrock, and Shamrock went way further he, he went than I far. anticipated. Yeah. Like even they had to use, yeah, they had to use a different camera angle to show how far back he had to yeah. go. And Shamrock didn't look happy about nope. that. Like you don't want to look weak, right? And he looked pissed. Um, one moment that did have happen in this match is they did do a quick dusty finish with Goldust half winning the title with Bulldog's uh, leg on the rope. Ah. Uh. Uh, you got the quick three count, and then they go, wait, 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 it's not happening. And yeah, Quick little dusty finish there, which never uh, a bad thing to see. I like no, those. They've actually done it with, uh, oddly enough, with Golda several times. I wonder why. Must run in the family or something. Huh. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, after we come back from the break, we go to the Nation of Dominations locker room where Doc Hendricks is outside the room. All hell is breaking loose. Yeah, he's trying to get in, but Farouk storms out and says he has something to say, and he's going to the ring to say it. Uh, they go to Savio Vega and Crush. They're pissed off. Crush is telling Hendricks not to come in. Uh, Mentions something about the nation disbanding. Uh, Vega says something about going with his Puerto Rican family. So 
Farouk goes in the ring and he's basically running down Vega and Crush. And he says, Vega, I took you out of the field. Literally, you were picking jalapeno peppers. Okay. Yep. Okay. So there's that. Uh, Shit got dark. Yep. Says, uh, you're out. Uh, And they're showing Vega and Crush's reactions in the locker room. Uh, Fires him. Fires Crush. It's down to Clarence Mason and D'Lo in the ring. And he said, there's one more person that's got to go. D'Lo, show Clarence the door. <laughs> or hold the rope for Clarence. Hold the hold, Yeah. Well, and Clarence was faced, faced with D'Lo being like, that's right. You got to go. You got to yeah. go. And D'Lo was just kind of standing there. But when Farouk said that, D'Lo looked like, wait, what? I'm saved? <laughs> and I was like, all right. Yeah, that's how D'Lo stays in. That's cool. Yeah. So, so gonna, and then Farouk said, next week, we're going to have a new nation. And who did he challenge? Ahmed and Taker? Ahmed and Taker to face D'Lo and Farouk. Yep. All right. Nice little shift. Absolutely. We're heading to some stuff coming up. Very Wait, soon. does The Rock get in there right away? No. Do you not know who the first one in is? I can't remember. Well, stay tuned next week. Is it? Uh... Oh, I think I know who. All right, go All ahead. Right. Uh, next, we get a quick recap of Austin Pillmanizing Pillman, mm-hmm. and then uh... on Superstars, nineteen ninety six. Because then, yep, we got the uh, we got the match coming up later, which is going to be Austin versus Pillman. Uh, next we see Paulie. Can I tell you how excited I was every time they kept showing the promo for tonight's match between Austin and Pillman? Mm-hmm. I just want to tell you that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because one thing that we didn't talk about, uh, well, actually, I think I've got it later, so we'll get to that. Uh, we get Paulie and Tommy Dreamer coming through the crowd, uh, just show their presence. They're in the front row. Uh, and then we get uh, who want to be introduced as the most exciting tag team in the history of WWF, Philip and LaFon. Okay, that's worth a laugh. That was awesome. Yeah, they take on the headbangers, and the headbangers win. Uh, next, we get Lawler Beck. Wait, wait, wait. You said Philip and LaFon. Philip is LaFon. It's Furnace and Furnace LaFon. Furnace and LaFon. Why did I say Philip and LaFon? I have that written down for some reason. Because Philip LaFon is Philip okay, LaFon. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Doug Furnace and LaFon. <laughs> Uh, That's like saying John and Cena were the tag team champions. <laughs> right. Uh, next, we get Lawler backstage with RVD. He's basically just running down Paulie and ECW, uh, basically saying he doesn't want anybody interfering with RVD being able to wrestle in the WWF. Uh, and then right before hour two, we get a recap of Pillman's Got a Gun. And then we get Austin in a ring with Vince. Vince basically just calling out Austin for what he did last night. Uh, Pillman was cutting a promo, and Austin interrupted. That's a very famous sequence uh, where he gives him the swirly. Says he wishes the toilet was full when he did it. Uh, He says, when I'm done beating your ass, I'm going to carry your raspy-ass carcass to the back and finish the job. Like that line. Uh, Talks about the uh, challenge for Canadian Stampede. Says he'll be the first volunteer. And, uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good promo right there. Everything's starting to come together there. Uh, so next we do get our RV. I, I'm so excited. I forgot, not that I forgot about it, but we talked about it a while back about how excited we are to watch Canadian Stampede. So I'm very excited for this to be building up. Oh yeah. There's a lot of good stuff that happens there. 
Uh, next, we do get our RVD match. It's uh, with Fla- against Flash Funk. Uh, Dreamer is not happy, has his chair in hand, gets chippy with... Uh, it gets a little chippy between RVD, Lawler, Dreamer, and Paulie. Uh, Vince brings up that a the SummerSlam promo from the last year was the winner of a Pro Max award. Don't know what that is, but... Yeah, I don't even know what that was, and they even had it. I, I was like, what the fuck is a Pro Max? I'm like, was that, like, Stridex? Is that, like, for your face? <laughs> I know, right? I almost looked it up. I got lazy, though. Uh, we do get some <laughs> we do get some footage uh, from Wrestlepalooza of Lawler showing up. We get Lawler on commentary. He's lost his voice. He blames it on the Mandible Claw for Mankind last night. Uh, RVD wins with a springboard 450. Uh, Pauly ends up jumping the barricade, and we get a big schmoz between all four of them. Yeah, it's just a shit show. And I love Vince saying, this is not what the war zone about. It's about athletic competition. The hell it is. Then why did you call it? What? Never mind. <laughs> All right. Next we get. Oh, yeah. Next we get Owen uh, with Anvil versus Sid non-title. Shamrock on commentary. Uh, just working Sid's leg. Shamrock. That stuff shouldn't happen. He shouldn't even be out there. And Shamrock's had enough, and he just takes out Anvil to even the numbers, and Sid gets the win. Shamrock uh, is in the ring to keep the hearts at bay. Uh, Next, we get a recap of Pillman and Austin going at it on Shotgun Saturday a couple days ago. And then we get more Raw is War t-shirt hawking. It's uh, Sable this time. We get the Vince laugh because, you know, boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Boobies! Pretty much it. Next, we get Jr. interviewing uh, Mankind. It's the final chapter. Uh, asks. Oh wait, there's one uh, interesting thing about the Sable one. Gets interrupted at the very end. Wild man Mark Marrow comes oh, out with some sunshades yeah. on and his denim Dan cut off vest and tells her, "Come on, that's enough. Yep. That's enough hawking other people's shirts that aren't mine." Yep, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, the final chapter uh, gets asked why Cactus never showed in the WWF, and he says because he wasn't welcome. Uh, why didn't you take me in when I was younger? Uh, wishes Shawn Michaels a lifetime of misery uh, out of jealousy. Wishes a lot of superstars personal trauma and tragedy in their personal and professional lives. Does that make me a bad person? Uh, then he starts getting pissed off at JR. Says, what about the pain that I love? Starts punching himself in the face. It hurts. No shit it does. Uh, freaks out on JR. Puts the mandible claw on him and then gets up and is like, He's going to need some help. <laughs> so. And JR apologizes for yep, it. Pretty much. He, uh, when they come back, he goes, look at, you know, not that he should be able to put his hands on me, but I, uh, I did, uh, cross a line by asking certain questions. I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had, I had to. <laughs> uh, next we get Rockabilly versus Bart Gunn. Still kayfabing that they're brothers. Rockabilly wins with the shake, rattle and roll. And, uh, Backstage, we see the Hart Foundation uh, having a little huddle, and Pillman just knocks down the cameraman. Let's see. Next, we get our main event. We get Pillman versus Austin, or at least it's supposed to be. Austin comes to the ring, and the Foundation just jumps him. Uh, Pillman's whipping him with the tag title. Mankind comes in to assist, ends up fighting Pillman in the ring. And so now it's just Mankind versus Pillman. Uh, Mother... (laughs) Fucker, was I mad when that happened? I, they go, and back one break, Mankind is in the ring, one-on-one with Brian Pillman. I go, 
the fuck just happened? Yep. Card suck. I've been looking forward to Austin and Pillman. Nothing. Okay. Car- Good. Great. Thanks. Card subject to change. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, man, you know, uh, Mankind eventually locks in the Mandible Claw Foundation's back again. It's a DQ. Uh, Austin hobbles to the ring. Uh, Shamrock ends up joining. Uh, they clear house. Austin backs up into Mankind, kind of looks at him and just walks away, starts yelling at Shamrock, hits him with a stunner, and then just leaves. So there you go. There's your lot for Raw. raw. That is Raw. Nitro is about to be their go-home show for the Great American Bash. Yep. How, that's how I found out the hard way. Uh, <laughs> we open up getting confirmation that Rodman and Hogan are going. They did they did sign for Bash at the Beach. Their opponents are yet to be named. Uh, and we're getting the Outsiders versus Piper and Flair in the main event tonight for a non-title match, even though they're wrestling Sunday. Don't know why. Uh, Macho shows up in a limo. Liz gets out before Macho can get out. DDP comes running in. Macho slams the door. DDP kicks the door window out, opens the door. Liz slams him in it. And the limo drives away, leaving Liz there. I thought that was fucking hilarious. You're on your own, bitch. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Next we get our weekly Lucha match. It's Ultimate Dragon, Super Kahlo, and Hoovy versus Psychosis, Laparca, and Silver King. Uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Zabisco says, hey, today I finally figured out the Lucha rules. There ain't none. <laughs> uh, Ultimate Dragon. Dynamite drop in, Zabisco. <laughs> yep. Ultimate Dragon gets the win. Laparca ends up going after Super Kahlo with the chair after the match. Who cares? Uh, we get Gene on the ramp. He's with Luger. Says he wants the tag match against Hogan at Rodman at Bash at the Beach. And says that J.J. Dillon and the committee have decided since Hogan hasn't defended his title since February, he needs to wrestle tonight, and that's going to be against Luger. Uh, we find out later that's going to be a non-title match. Uh, we get an interview. So st- much for, hey, you haven't defended your title, you're wrestling today against Luger. <laughs> but it's going to be a non-title, non-title match. match yeah. uh, so next uh, <laughs> we get Tanae doing an interview from earlier in the night with Flair and Piper. Uh, heard the Outsiders are going to be at Nitro and they don't want to wait till Great American Bash. So we get the match twice. Uh, next, we get Alex Wright versus Chris Jericho. I wrote the first thing I just wrote was just you know something just because of you know the state of Chris Jericho today is uh, oh where oh where has Jericho gone? Uh, yeah. it, it's a good match, good wrestlers. Imagine that. Um, yeah, on commentary, they're hyping Jericho's stock being on the rise. So naturally, Alex Wright gets the win. Uh, to be fair, it was a heelish win. Did have his feet on the ropes. Next, we get Malia Hosaka versus Akira Hokuto, who is our current women's champion. Hokuto wins uh, with an Ono distraction and a Brain Buster. Hits again. Dude, those Brain Busters look pretty nasty. I don't know if it's just that Japanese strong style or they just didn't know how to wrestle because literally dropped her on her head a couple times. Uh, Medusa runs down, hits three German suplexes, and she's not wearing any shoes for some reason. Fuck shoes in a time like this. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Gene, we get Gene on the ramp with the Steiners. Uh, it's funny because Gene goes to give the mic to Scott and Scott's like, no, 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 no. And turns him over to Rick. (laughs) Apparently he's supposed to start talking to Rick first or they got it backwards or something, but, uh, eventually they get it. Uh, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't last long because Harlem Heat come out and they just brawl. Uh, a lot of schmozzery here, man. Uh, next we get Conan versus Mongo. 
Uh, Kevin Green jumps Mongo during the entrance. It backfires. Mongo beats him down, but Green keeps coming back. They eventually get him pulled apart. But by the time they do, we go to the ring and we see a broken broomstick and Conan knocked out. Uh, naturally, the match doesn't happen. Patrick calls it a no contest. And we get no video of the attack. We just see him down. Uh, next, we get Eric Bischoff coming out with Hulk Hogan. Uh, basically telling J.J. Dillon and the executive committee to bite him. It's not going to happen. You're not forcing Hogan to wrestle. Uh, instead, it's going to be the gun show. So Luger just decides to come down to the ring with a ref behind him. Luger shoves Bischoff down, goes after Hogan, and the bell rings. Immediately, the whole NWO comes down to the ring. Uh, they said they have to go to break. It was bad timing because they did have to go to break. They come back. Uh, it's right about hour two. We get Heenan on commentary. Six and the Outsiders go to cause interference. Luger's able to take him out and actually gets the win on Hogan clean with the torture rack. Uh, NWO ends up beating down Luger, though. Randy Anderson gets thrown out of the ring by Hogan. Hogan drops like 18 leg drops. The really cool thing, though, was on the first leg drop he hit, the fireworks for hour two went off. It was perfect timing. It was at, literally, he hits the <laughs> leg drop and the fireworks go off. It was best leg drop ever. Yeah, right. For that reason alone. Uh, we see Nash looking up at the rafters to see if Sting's up there. Bischoff Hogan laying in the corner. Uh, Hogan's losing his voice at this point. Yeah, and uh, there you go. Uh, heels acting like winners, even though they were just beat clean. Uh, next, we get Gene in ring with J.J. Dillon, talking about there's a fine in order, uh, recommending a fine of 50000 for Macho for assaulting Dillon last week. Possible suspension, but that would have taken him out of the match, which would be playing right into his hands. So they're adding stipulations to the match against DDP at, at Great American Bash. Non-sanctioned. Lights out. No DQ, no count out. Falls count anywhere. We get Macho in the crowd with Liz, and he says, Here, I got 100000 here, 50000 for last week, and 50000 for this week when I do it again. <laughs> DDP heads to the ring a little bit back and forth, says, Let's do it now. Macho heads to the ring, and they brawl on the outside of the ring. Uh, next was something that kind of came out of nowhere, man. Um, uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Dean Malenko for the U.S. title. I thought this was supposed to be on Great American Bash, and it wasn't. So I'm yeah. kind of curious about that. Uh, Deborah does come down to the ring at some point. Jeff Jarrett uh, gets the figure four on. Malenko is able to roll over, reverse the pressure. Jarrett grabs the rope. Uh, Eddie ends up showing up in a sling, gets up on the top rope, takes the sling off. And hits the frog splash on Malenko. Uh, Malenko is out. <laughs> so Malenko's supposed to be like out. Like they're playing it off like Malenko's out cold. But the sling is laying on top of him. And he takes the time to take it off and throw it off of him. It was just <laughs> one of those moments. It's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you just not leave it there? Uh, so- it's one of those things. It's also like when someone has to go up and do like an elbow drop and you shift your body know, after laying right? down. You shift your body like two inches. It's like, dude, if they can't do it, they're just not going to do the move, yeah. man. Like, don't, don't shift like that. It looks horrible. It does. Uh, so instead of going for the pin, Jarrett locks in the figure four again, and Malenko taps. And fucking Jeff Jarrett's the new U.S. champion. Kind of came out of nowhere. I did not see that happening. Yeah. Uh, next we get Gene on the ramp with Bre- uh, Bret Hart. Oh, Jesus Christ, Jimmy Hart in the faces of fear. Uh, basically... They're teasing uh, Benoit with getting to Sullivan, and Hart says, well, I'm going to introduce your third step, which is just Kevin Sullivan. Uh, He's in his hometown of Boston, gets some decent cheers, thanks people that are home with him. 
He says, I know Benoit, you're here. Come out. They brawl. And Gene goes, not again. And it's weird because Jacqueline starts going after Benoit. Mang pulls her off. Mang goes after Benoit. Sullivan pulls him off. And then everybody just beats down Benoit. Okie doke. And we get... Poor Benoit. <clears throat> yeah. And we get our main event, Outsiders, uh, accompanied by six. Versus Piper and Flair. This is the non-title match. I don't, again, still don't understand why they're doing this again. It's a schmoz. Six gets involved. Um, this is a shit show. Uh, Mongo and Jeff Jarrett and Benoit come down to make the save. Then Buff Bagwell and Ken Norton come down. Then Kevin Green shows up to go after Mongo. Harlem Heat come down. Steiners jump them. Glacier and Wrath and Mortis are just randomly fighting on the ramp. Heenan and Shivani get knocked off of commentary. Heenan's on the floor. He's like, I don't know where Shivani is. I need help. Uh, Sullivan and Faces of Fear come to the ring. We get We Want Sting Chance. Macho comes to the ring. DDP follows right after. Uh, Hogan comes out. And then Sting comes down from the rafter. Goes after Nash. Then Norton with the baseball bat. Hooks the harness back up to himself and DDP. Both get raised to the rafters to end the show. I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was something. It was a lot of shit all at once, dude. At first, it was, again, a long time for the... At least they were being safe, right? You know? He was he looked to be pretty much ready to go and had to keep fending guys off with the bat for an extra second or two. Um, and he kept tugging. They weren't taking him. But, again, better to be safe than not hooked up yeah but i who the fuck wasn't in this thing i mean minus the six luchadors everybody who was on the card everybody was there they all came back to the ring just to all fight a lot of randomness at the very end of that show well you know what i have something i want to just kind of get off my chest right here this is about tiger you Sir, are a and a and let's not forget you're a and also a and your mom is a. All right, that's right. It's time to go to our top topic. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for. I did it for the rock. This week's top topic. You know something mean, Gene. John Cena. Wrestling's not fake. <laughs> the Rolex wearing what? Diamond ring wearing what? Kiss stealing. Woo! Wheel and dealing. What? Limousine right. What? Jet flying. What? Son of a gun. Woo! Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. If you smell. 
following ranking order and final decisions are a completely bias-based order, based off the professor and ODM made it. And as always, they like to let you know they have not worked in the business, but have been lifelong invested fans much like you, our listeners. With not only their opinions involved, but with countless amount of hours of research done each week, they make sure to provide proper facts and history to back it up. However, they do know that your opinion may vary from theirs. If there is anything you want to chat about, bring to their attention. If there is something they missed or forgot, or you just want to let them know they are out of their freaking minds, feel free to shoot them a message on Facebook or Twitter, or email them at the top of wrestling at gmail.com. As always, they do appreciate all feedback and continued support. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that you do see the best of the best before you die. And now, this week's top topic. Great talents in the WWF or WCW, but who gets a lot of the attention from the wrestling fans especially? Guys like the NWO. You got a guy like Kevin Nash, 40 years old, trying to act like a teenager. As far as I'm concerned, the biggest no talent in the business. He's got six moves, no mobility, and enough timing to come up, cover up for some of it. But Vince McMahon's going to make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. So Eric Bischoff, I'm telling you this right now. I want out of my contract, no matter what it takes, who I gotta speak to, or what it is, okay? And here, let me save you some time, Eric Bischoff. I'm throwing coffee on myself. As far as I'm concerned, Eric Bischoff, you can take this job and shove it up your you-know-what. And then on Super Bowl Sunday in 1994, I woke up with an affliction called Bell's Palsy. And my entire left side of my face looked like I had a stroke. You think I like that? You think I like that my left eye doesn't open all the way because I got sick? Let me tell you how warm-hearted Mr. McMahon is. Mr. McMahon called me into his office on February the 11th, 1994, and he fired my ass. Superstar. Hey, I was a little green, but Scott always ready to become a superstar. And you know what you did? He worked here a year, he proved himself, you cut his salary, so he went elsewhere. So I'll tell you what, Scott Hall, Chico, kiss my ass. You punked out and you're a punk. Are you mad? No, go ahead, fire me, I don't care. So I asked myself, if WCW was going to hire the Nature Boy number two, why wouldn't they hire the Nature Boy, the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers? 
Now, I don't know that Buddy Rogers is dead, God rest his soul, but Ric Flair, your career is dead. And I know as he lays six feet under, he's still styling and profiling, because when you used your little brain and stole his name, there's one thing you couldn't steal, and that was his class. Vince McMahon knew that I would be loyal for him giving me an opportunity. So what he did is he put every giant, every freak that he knew his hand-picked champions couldn't beat, and he sicked me on them. Because Vince McMahon didn't want someone like The Undertaker representing the World Wrestling Federation. Even after all his hand-chosen favorites left town for greener pastures, more money, I stayed here. You know in your heart, I'm telling you the truth, that your father shook the hand of every promoter in this country and swore to them that he'd never compete against them, that his son would never compete against them. And when your father died, you competed. And with your ruthless, merciless, take no prisoners attitude, you drove everybody out of business, didn't you, Vince? You ran all the competition to the ground and you stole all their ideas and you made yourself a billionaire out of it. And you know whose ideas you stole the most, Vince? You stole mine. I want you to fire me, you fucking mark! Fire me! Fire me! Huh. For the amount of swearing we do on this show, I'm surprised all that just got bleeped out. Well, it's because I had to cut a shoot promo right there, but it was a little worked. Like what I did there. I see All what right. you did. All right, here we are. We are talking some of the greatest promos, really, in history. It's the ones that we all remember the most because they were real to us, damn it. And some are, I'd say, I don't know, I 25. Well, 26, because it's only one honorable mention this week. Um, I'd say maybe two to three may not be as well known as others, but pretty much all these you guys are going to remember. Why are we doing this? Again, we're talking about MJF's promo. We talked a little bit about it earlier. Of course, it is a worked shoot. That's what most of these shoot promos are. You can go out and say that, uh, yeah, no one knew what I was going to say. Well, that's fine, but you also were given a mic and you, you know, even for Punk's promo, the pipe right. bomb, you know, he, no one really knew what he was going to say a lot of time, a lot of what people are saying, but he wasn't going to cross the line. He wasn't going to go out and say the, the seven deadly words that you can't say. Most of these kind of got close to some of these, to those words, but these are shoots are where you're going to start to blur the lines of, what is left of kayfabe, right? I mean, each one of them is pushing kayfabe and, and talking real moments, real parts in history. Uh, and one of the first ones is something I actually use as a sound bit. And this is our honorable mention. I used these as a sound bit at one point when we began doing the Monday Night Wars. Jim Cornette's uh, weekly shoots that he was doing for like a couple of weeks straight where, and he was like, and that's, I'm Jim Cornette. And that's just my opinion where he was saying that Hulk Hogan and 
is a household name, but so is the word garbage, and they both stink. <laughs> and he had a lot of, he was ripping on people who weren't in the company, but also still ripping on some guys who were in the company in WWE at the time. Again, worked, but was still peeling back the label or the layers and uh, mentioning that WCW is just known for taking old ex washed up WWF talent. And it, for the time, for what WWF was doing on their television, it was pushing the mold. But here we are the top 25 shoot worked promos. Number 25 Jeff Jarrett comes back in 1998. So, yeah, you just mentioned that he's your uh, U.S. champion in 1997. Uh, Not too long after Stone Cold Steve Austin becomes the WWF champion in 1998, Jeff Jarrett makes his way back to the WWF and calls out Eric Bischoff for not believing in him, then even talks about how Vince McMahon ran Jeff's dad out of business back in the day. So he's starting to blur the lines and push at people and... Uh, talk about things of real things that happened in the past. You know, his, him and his dad, or, or I'm sorry, Vince buying out uh, his dad and other territories. The problem that Jarrett did in this promo is why it will never rank much higher, is he worked himself into a shoot. He mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin and how it's uh, bullshit that he could go with Austin 316 and it's blasphemy against uh, the Bible. Well, Austin said, that's fine. I'll never want to work with him. It's a true story. Love that. He worked himself into a shoot after that. <laughs> Number 24. This is probably one of the more lesser known ones, but if you go to watch it, pretty shoot for the company that he's standing in. Eddie Kingston is at a progress wrestling event. And after beating the crap out of Ilya Dragunov, as he's just holding him there and keeps hitting him every now and then, he gives him a headlock and keeps laying on him. He says, I'm better than everybody that's in NXT. I made NXT. I made Adam Cole. I made Matt Riddle. Just starts listing off people. But it's not like he's at just a regular indie event in the middle of you know Cleveland, Ohio that has 100 people. This is a progress wrestling event, and most of the guys who move on from progress go to places like AEW and WWE. Little a little more lesser known, but good one to check out. But followed by that, this one I think you may have to disagree with me on. I'm not sure if you're gonna call it a full blown shoot, but you know, not every shoot is with a person by themselves and saying things. Shoot is would you say I want to get your uh, agreement or disagreement on this here. ODM, when you're shooting, you're saying things that are real, right? Things that or are of meaning or something that has really happened that is a story, correct? So, coming at number 23 was the lead-in to this past AEW full gear between Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. Eddie Kingston got very real in the ring talking about how he was... Excluded by all the other guys. What? Because I like to eat too much, huh? Because I like cookies. Fucking, I love him for doing <laughs> that, by the way. Um, but Punk agreeing into it and saying, "Yeah, you you were not into it. You were a bum." And he's would and Eddie talking about real stuff. Would a would a bum have put his house up? Would a bum, you know, to to work for this company? Would have worked his way here. 
all that was very shoot, and it's all stuff that he's talked about in his real life, and he really did have a dislike for Punk. They worked together. It's kind of like the Edge and Matt Hardy thing. Maybe on the same level because he took his girl, but it's two guys that didn't like each other, and they worked shit out in the ring. Number 22. I don't know which one you want to... I think we're going to call this one half a tie, but it's for the same night. Bash at the Beach, 2000. Vince Russo and Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan grabbing the mic to say, this is the reason this company is in the the shape it's in, is because of bullshit like this. Pins Jarrett, drops the title right there. But the bigger one of the night is Vince Russo coming out and telling everybody, you will never see that piece of shit work for this company again. And starts talking about how Hogan had... Uh, creative control and wanted to make things different and w- wasn't willing to play ball with the company tonight. The middle of a fucking pay-per-view just breaks down and just lets everybody know this. This was as probably as shoot as you could really get. Now, he had told Hogan and Bischoff he was going to do certain things, but I guess he went beyond that, and that's where the lawsuit came in, I believe, because he said some real derogatory shit. And Bischoff and Hogan ended up suing Russo in real life, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right oh, about yeah. that? Oh, yeah. That's it was messy. Worked himself into one. Uh, let's see if you can guess number 21. You ready? Mm-hmm. And Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, X-Pac returning to WWF. Bam! My man, good job. That's right. Coming back to WWF and just ripping everyone from WCW apart, saying to Hogan and Bischoff, saying that he couldn't cut the mustard. And uh, if Eric Bischoff goes far enough, he'll know what Hogan up his ass enough, he'll know what Hogan had for breakfast. That was a good one. That was. I like that one, man. That's pretty, very famous. And. Everybody shits on X-Pac, man. I like him. I never really minded him that much. And this promo right here made him badass to me. I don't know. To me, at least. I I thought this is better than anything he's done in the entire NWO. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. I still just like the Bischoff, you suck, pal. It's just so lame. (laughs) Yeah. It is. It's so bad that we used it as a a name of our episode once. The pal. (laughs) Uh, number 20, this is, uh, common to see if you've ever watched some of the rise and fall of ECW videos, they've showed it pretty often, but where Paul Heyman did a shoot on the network on TNN, he wanted out of the contract because they were trying to censor every little thing they were doing, trying to tell him how to do his show. And he started one episode by, Hey, kick me off the network i dare you and just starts listing all the things that they were gonna do and all the things that they used to be able to do and how the network has just fucked them over and no one really you don't shit on a network you don't bite the hand that feeds you you were there for a reason he was begging could you imagine vince mcmahon going on and going usa debt network i dare you to throw me off they'd be like "Eh, goodbye (laughs) (laughs) well maybe not They, they really that's the only probably money that comes into USA Network. That and Law & Order SVU uh, reruns. Number 19. Holding a very prestigious title. 
talking about the greats, Buddy Rogers, Ric Flair, and saying, and they can all kiss my ass. The birth of the real ECW championship, Shane Douglas cutting a very hard shoot promo after finally becoming the champion, which was... It was Eastern Championship Wrestling, but I think that was also partly with the NWA Championship, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That Which I don't why know. They had the, I feel like that's why the, the coalition of him saying all the other past guys that held the championship, but him cutting a promo and saying, you know, guys that couldn't lace his boots in the WWF or WCW and making this the extreme championship title. Pretty big kickoff. Kind of gave a big name to ECW and to Shane Douglas. Number 18. I don't know how this guy still got to work with the company all the way to the very end, but Scott Siner cuts a promo on the company he's working for, saying WCW sucks. Not only is he going off on Ric Flair and saying how he's an old wash-up has-been who's only here to collect a paycheck, but... This entire company sucks. Everything about it sucks. The production sucks. The booking sucks. The company was already going well under in 2000, and Steiner came out and decided to just put the nail in the coffin. Pretty much, yeah. No, his math promo doesn't count. (laughs) Number 17. The night after Diesel loses the... WWF Championship to Bret Hart at the Survivor Series 1995. He shows up on Raw with just a hat and a leather jacket. His hair is in a ponytail and he grabs a mic and says for the last year I busted my ass. I barely sleep and I was your corporate champion. I was a kiss ass champion. Everything you guys wanted me. I wanted me to be. Do you know last night after I lost that title? It's the first night I slept in the first time in in almost a year. Turning the page and saying how he may have to move on to greener pastures. And saying that Vince overworked him. The basic shoot because he's dead. And, I mean, he basically is telling you, by the way... <laughs> I'm going to face Undertaker and leave, and and then uh, Shawn Michaels at a pay-per-view, and I'm taking off. That's pretty much all you got out of me. Writing was on the wall with him. Number 16. You know, we were seeing the layers of Mick Foley right now as he's doing the Mankind interview with uh, JR, talking about his time as Cactus Jack. Well, he goes full-blown mode in... Raw of 2006 because we are trying to really bring back ECW as a full-time thing. We had One Night Stand in 2005, and at this time, Mick Foley is teaming with the man that he just went through a table with, a burning table, Edge, and he's trying to fight against the reuniting people of ECW, saying, putting your body on the line for people who don't even give a damn, the fans, the the company. You do this and they give a shit about you. A very stripped-down, real promo. You know, one thing I can say is that when Mick Foley is just being Mick Foley, he can give a hell of a promo. One of my favorite moments, watch him 
get involved with CM Punk. When Punk turned heel as the as the WWE champion, Punk's like, I've been champion for 365 days, baby, or whatever it was. And Foley says, I had it for 36 days, and it doesn't matter, and he loses his shit. And it's such a good promo because it's real. Listening to him talk about how real, shooting about how real his time was in ECW and putting his body on the line and no one could ever care about him at the end of the day, it was very... It was a very stripped-down version of anything that we got to hear about Cactus Jack, even from what we're hearing at that time with JR, as we're coming back to you right now in 97. Number 15. Speaking of one-night stand, let's go back a year before. ECW one-night stand. I got two words for you. Matt freaking Hardy! That's three, Paul, but close enough. Paul Heyman... Shoots on everybody, talking about how this is as real as it can be. First comes out going, sorry, I'm not crying. My eyes are red because I was just smoking a joint with Rob Van Dam. (laughs) You don't say that on WWE television. Saying to Bischoff, you don't see me taking my leg, or tucking my tail between my legs going to a WCW reunion show. Shoots on JBL being the champion because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. I mean, at this time, I mean, everybody, oh, oh, oh. I mean, the crowd was going nuts for everything that he was doing because he's on fire. And everything he was saying was shit that was extremely true. To say Tuesdays, that was the funniest part. Because if you didn't know, SmackDown was airing on Thursday and Fridays at those times. To say he didn't want to work Tuesday is even better pulling back the curtain. Oh, it was amazing. One of my favorite promos. Number 14. We played this as a promo not too long ago. It was Brian Pillman showing up in ECW. After he had finally been let go... From WCW, he shows up at an ECW event with Joey Styles in the ring after the lights come on, and he starts ripping a promo about Eric Bischoff and everybody over at WCW. Uh, says he has no problem being the bad guy here in the Antichrist in, in ECW and saying anything he wants to as well. This was 96? Some of the things he was doing uh, yes. and saying were pretty big at this time, I think. Yeah, yeah and, and it was yeah, pretty big. And, and again, as far as Bischoff knew, he was just having him on lease to go everywhere else. He was like, oh, yeah, good idea. I'll fire you. Ah, good idea. Number 13. Now, by the way, I'm not just picking my favorites here, by the way. I actually did research. This wasn't just like I just started looking around. I started Googling and looking around for as many shoot promos I'll ever be able to find to make this real. And one that came up very popular and very off, uh, very often, you and I just covered ODM, and that is Nash and X-Pac about Flair and Piper just last week. Yep. The one where, you know, Waltman is talking about everything about Flair, and Nash is still talking about those paved roads and how they had to fix them and how they had to change the business and make it better. That exact promo where they are shooting uh, and saying all that is very popular and it comes in at number 13. 
thought you'd be pretty impressed with that one. There you go. Nice pull. Number 12. One of my favorite ones that when we saw it, we're like, God damn. Was that real? Nah, couldn't have been real. It wasn't real. Feel, felt real. Holy shit. The Miz on Talking Smash. Oh, hell yeah. With Brian Danielson, or now Daniel Bryan. Wow, look at that. God damn it. I finally get his you name right this time. <laughs> right. Uh, um, Saying that he is the most relevant Intercontinental Champion, the most relevant champion on TV. Never got hurt. All the way up until that point until he had a zombie match, by the way. <laughs> Karma. Karma. You do a zombie match, that's, that's what will happen to you. Um, but telling Brian, go back to the, the indie bingo halls if you want. Go ahead. That's what you want to do. And come wrestle me. And God damn, the passion in that, it was real. He was saying real things and meaning it. And I, I, I remember you and I texting each other like, whoa, did you see that? Was that? And everybody, was that real? For half, was, was any of it real? Because Brian walking off looked pissed. And Brian did go on to, I think, say that while he knew that Miz was going to do some of that, he didn't know that he was going to come at him as hard about some of the shit that he did and and being like, well, come on back, come on back, then you're weak. Don't you ever say, well, what was the whole thing that he said? Oh, you fight like a coward. That's what started the whole thing. Yeah, because he's a safe worker. Yup, man. Oh, such a good one. Number 11. This one we covered not too long ago. Jim Ross turns heel, starts <laughs> ripping about how he was fired for having cerebral palsy, and then he brings back Razor and Diesel. Nope, not Hall and Nash, just Razor and Diesel. Yikes. That one, you know, talking about being fired and saying that he obviously was, you know, the voice of everything for WrestleMania and carrying the WWE, and they just let him go in his time of need. That was real stuff. And he got to air it out. It's funny because we just talked about it. Like, hey, did you notice he's just not heel anymore? Just kind of stopped. Oh, yeah. It's over. Abruptly. Uh, Number 10. This one I actually feel like I mentioned pretty every now and then. He mocked God. He mocked God. (laughs) Joey Styles loses his shit because... Jerry Lawler messed with him enough. They end up getting into a little bit of a a scuffle down at ringside. And he says, you know, not only was I bumped from WrestleMania, but I was bumped from Backlash. I wasn't good enough to call Backlash. And, you know, he was brought in because they they fired Jim Ross. And he said, and you guys brought me in because you wanted me to replace Jim Ross. But then you told me you wanted me to sound like the guy that you fired in the rep- in the first place. Well, that makes sense. And then they bring Jim Ross back to replace me because that's what they wanted. And he quits right there and says he's done. You know, and he said some real shit. I was the only. I. It's never been done before. Or it hasn't. It was never done before, and it hasn't been done since. He was the only one man commentary show that's ever existed in pro wrestling that worked. He did it for ECW. If you had to listen to just one person call nowadays, you would get very sick of it quick. Styles is the only one that could carry it. And that was a very real promo. Number nine. Kind of reminiscent with MJFs recently. Saying, fire me. Ric Flair, <laughs> fire me. I'm already fired. 
The night that Ric Flair and the Horsemen finally come back together, Arn brings the band back together when you have Malenko, Benoit, Mongo, and Flair finally returns in his hometown. And that's where he starts saying, Eric Bischoff has screwed this company up. He's telling me I need to disband the Horsemen when we've been the strongest thing for this company. He let Arn down. Very real promo. It's such a good one that it's in two parts on YouTube. You got That's the funniest thing is you can't find it in its entirety. I find that funny. Um, but I can't wait till we get to that coming up in the wars. We're going to see the frustration build oh, yeah. in with, uh, with Flair very soon. Number eight. Here's one we covered uh, back in 2020. Uh, when we finally watched The Dark Side of the Ring about Owen Hart. I went into a huge rabbit hole and I finally watched Roddy Piper bringing Vince Russo to the ring mm. and saying, let me ask you, you're such a good writer. Did you write it in about my, my cousin Owen Hart's death and getting right into his face? I don't think you can get any realer than that. Um, and Russo came to the ring thinking that, yeah, I'll be fine. He's not going to hit me. And then the Harris brothers come to the ring and they actually had Roddy's back. No one had Russo's back in that situation. It was very real and in a very uncomfortable situation. I, I'd like to rank it higher, but it's it, it happened on TNA on such a low level, and it's like not many people really knew of it. Right. But the severity and what he did very impactful, and that's why it did make it did bust into the top ten. Number seven, AJ Lee drops her bombshell. Yeah, we call it the bombshell. That's actually what it was dubbed because you have the pipe bomb, but this is her bombshell where she said she never sucked up to anybody. She didn't have to marry into a famous family. She didn't have to be on Total Divas saying Tyson Kidd isn't much of a man. God damn, she ripped everything apart in a matter of like 90 seconds about the entire Divas division. And said that she earned every second as to why she was there. It's a very true, real promo. Shoot. Very worked. You know it was scripted how she did it. Right. Um, The worst part of the promo is just watching all the girls react. Natty was the only one that could react. She looked pissed off. The other girls, like, oh my god, fucking the Bellas. Just say it to our face. Come on. Why don't you come over here? It really reminds me of that while watching this recent 2022 edition at Double or Nothing when the two sides of the women faced off twice now. Number six, MJF's recent promo this past Sunday. Or I'm sorry, this past Wednesday. MJF on Tony Khan with his You Fucking Marks or You Fucking Mark promo to Tony Khan. Are you okay where it's at so far? It sounds like it's in a reasonable spot. Uh, I'm interested because okay. I mean I can definitely think of a few off the top of my head right now that are ahead of it, and yeah. Okay. Number five. People kind of forget about this one, man. Undertaker in 1998 comes out in his best sweats denim or sweats uh, suit that he could find, an all gray or black sweatsuit, tops and bottom. At this point, he's not American Badass. He's just always been the Phenom, Undertaker. And he comes to the ring and says, I have been 
the one to take down Vince's chosen ones, even though when they all left for greener pastures, I stayed here, and I took your chosen big men, and I slayed them one by one. Talking about his time where he has to face your King Kong Bundys, your giant Gonzalez's, your great, not great Kali at that time, um, all your shit stars, and I took them. And then, even though you wanted me to take on your Diesel and your Hogan's, and flares. I made all those guys and put them over, and then you let them go all the way back over to WCW. This is one of the first times that, you know, Taker has ever broken any form of kayfabe, and this is in 1998. First time he has not ever dressed up as the dead man. That's why it's number five. It's a huge moment. Number four. This is where I, this is one of my favorite ones. Because you didn't realize how goddamn real it was till later down the line. You're like, wow, I did really watch a whole shoot promo. Eddie Guerrero goes to the ring on Nitro with his bags packed. A cup of water, referring to it saying that it was a cup of coffee. About Eric Bischoff saying, hey, I'm pouring the coffee on myself. Because he said at one point, Eric threw coffee at him. Saying he's been here working his ass off. And I'm sorry, Chavo, I love you, but I can't stay here any longer. I can't do this to myself anymore. Busting his ass and doing everything he can, and he doesn't get the recognition or the respect that he deserves. Big moment. It was one of those moments where Bischoff was like, maybe I shouldn't be letting people go to the (laughs) ring with a microphone, no problem. Fuck. I think that just kind of backfired on me. It was one of the last times that people were able to go to the ring with a live mic, no problem, at that time. For quite some time. People weren't airing their grievances out like that too much longer after that. It's kind of fun. Number three. Scott Hall no-shows the pay-per-view for TNA. And Samoa Joe has a live mic on pay-per-view. And says Scott Hall punked out and he's a bitch. While Kevin Nash is just standing in the corner. And says, guys like Scott Hall are here to only pad their pension. Looking at Kurt Angle. Looking at Kevin Nash. And he goes, well, guys like the Motor City Machine Guns, AJ Styles, Primetime Eric, or Showtime Eric Young. All of us, we're here. We come to work every day. And these guys are here just to pad their pensions and take it over. Because they are superstars. Looks down at Dixie and goes, I don't care. Fire me. Go ahead. I don't care. He stood up for everyone in that locker room that day. And when he got back to the locker room, very notably, took two smacks to the face by Kevin Nash. Doesn't surprise me. And took him like a champ. Nash even talks about it in his uh, shoot. He goes, I slapped him in the face twice. Joe said, he goes, yeah, you hit me. And that was it. It was kind of like a, you know what you did wrong, but I also can kind of fucking understand what you did. I think that he was like, you're also talking about my best friend too, you know, and it, it's, he's got problems. And, and it was notable that obviously that it, Scott Hall did have problems, but no, no showing a pay-per-view rubbed Samoa Joe the wrong way, obviously. Number two, Paul Heyman to Vince McMahon Right before, it's the go-home SmackDown show to Survivor Series 2001. Where he, you made wrestling a dirty word. Yep. All you care about is sports entertainment. You made Taz 
a bitch color commentator. He was a fighting machine. Your father was a revered man. And this is where, if you've heard the talk about it, Heyman said, you know, what did Vince know? And Vince said, don't tell me anything. Just rip into me. And he went all the way back to Vince Sr. and just let it go. That's when I think I knew right there. Yeah, WWF's winning this coming Sunday. I remember watching that promo being like, yep, that's your last. Kind of, you know, it's always like if you get the upper hand on the go-home show, yeah, you're probably going to lose at the at the pay-per-view. Right. You know, it doesn't really happen that way, right, for the villain. But, damn, he cut in and, and made everything real, everything that everybody's wanted to say to Vince, and he brought it all together as a promoter, as a guy who was run out of business by Vince McMahon. Number one, come on, you know it was Pipe Bomb, obviously, I, I and why, why I gave it number one, not because I'm a CM Punk mark, Sure. But what we talked about before, come on, hang on, what we talked about before with MJF's promo, what ruined it was the internet, right? We all knew everything he was going to say. Now, we knew of things that punk was mentioning but you never crossed over you didn't mention ring of honor you didn't mention uh new japan pro wrestling hey Cabana, how you doing bringing up that it's gonna get taken over by his idiot daughter and doofus son-in-law surrounded by douchebag yes men come on is that not true to this day Everything he said is extremely true. I still want to know what the story was. Speaking of this anti-bully campaign, let me tell you a story about Vince McMahon. What was the story? What was the story, man? (laughs) For the time that it was, it he found a way to break kayfabe with a worked shoot. Again, at that time, he was pushing the limit of every promo that's out there. People are like, "Oh, it's good, but it's fake. It's good, but it's fake." good but it's fake right you were like his contract is ending that's real is it all right and a lot of the things he's saying okay this is it's very interesting and the week before is when he said he was going to wait in the ring to get his title match and he said i'm just going to lay here and make snow angels in the ring he was starting to test the limits but the following week right there in vegas is where the infamous pipe bomb happens and uh, i i love it you know it, it they're trying to silence me when they take the microphone or they turn the microphone off. If you dispute it, if you personally think anything that I have listed is better than the pipe bomb promo or was more impactful to the business, I'm absolutely okay to, for you to tell me I'm wrong. You know, it's funny because uh, little John actually texted me on the side. He goes, I got a gripe about one of your, uh, one of the ones that it was a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what our thing was. And, and I just, and I explained, he goes, okay, no, that makes sense. Okay. Thank you. We're good. <laughs> but for this right here, Oh, it was what you disputed me on too. That, uh, what was the, the finishers weeks ago? Jesus, chicken nuggets, the finishers. He brought up, he's like, but you know, I, it was, it, I think it was probably, Oh, he goes the Canadian destroyer. I said, everybody fucking does yeah. a Canadian destroyer. And it doesn't put anybody down. Everybody now. Right. It did with Petey Williams, and I, you're absolutely right. But Jake Roberts' DDT made the honorable mention for that that reason. So for you, little John, I'll put Canadian Destroyer in the honorable mentions with the rest of those other finishers that week. I but would. if anybody wants to dispute me on this week we, that there's anything stronger than the pipe bomb, you know where to catch us at. 
in a couple of weeks, we'll be getting back to our top topics as we had planned. Probably do the submission specialist. Who knows? I do have the list pretty much done anyway, so I'll probably run with it. But next week, we will be back with not only Nightwing. They'll be back with good shit. We'll be talking, well, we'll have almost the entire stage to be set for Forbidden Door by the time we record next week. We'll, we'll know who will be facing off for the AEW Championship. Uh, <laughs> interim AEW Championship. And I'm sure we'll have at least a little bit of uh, some news as to why ODM and the Professor are your reigning, defended, or defending and undisputed Fantasy League champions and going for the 3 P. I'm sure one of us will be in first place. It's just a matter of time. You can't win with Alexa Blaze. Uh, Alexa Bliss. I'm sorry, <laughs> you just can't do it. Or Kenny Omega. Oh, my God. <laughs> that boy did. <laughs> but next week, we're also back with a movie of the week. It's a line that opens up with something only Nightwing could actually say. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad intro. You like it? All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Top of Wrestling Podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. I am the professor. I bid you a farewell. ODM, you know, it's season four. He has four words to leave you with. Dealing with vertigo sucks. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Topical. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Fantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing the Analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com. What? Remember you sent me the link? You got like, oh, you got to watch this at least. Or you were telling me to look at the... Yeah, that was the... the Wrestlepalooza. Wrestlepalooza was the thing with the kid with autism? No, that was at King of the Ring, wasn't it? No, that's Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then.